So for people on my podcast that haven't heard from you, do you want to just give a brief kind of breakdown as to who you are, what you do, how old you are, stuff like that? Yeah, so my name is Samuel Leeds. I'm a property investor. I also have a property training company. I've been doing, I've been doing property now for 12 years. I own a castle. I've done over 300 property deals. I've made millions of pounds in property and in business. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of media attention recently this year. Not all positive, but definitely got a lot of people's attention. Beautiful family. Wife, two kids, third kid on the way. Um, crazy year. Oh, blimey. Yeah. How, yeah. how far gone is she then? Oh, she's like due in two months. She's massive right now. She looks like she's ready to pop, but she's not. My days. My wife just had our baby four months ago, and it's not been as bad as people make out, but it's a, it's, it's a nice time, right? Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you too, man. You too. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, so so that's it, man. I just I I, I just I'm I'm loving this year. This year's been presented. We've had a lot of challenges, um, but I believe that whenever there's a challenge, there's always an opportunity. So this year has been a massive year of being fluid and pivoting. But that's what entrepreneurship is all about. So it kind of takes me back to my to my early days of being an entrepreneur. You can't afford to get lazy. And right now, over the next couple of years, people cannot be lazy. Even if you've been doing well in the past, you. you you can't just rest on your laurels, you know. You need to be constantly adapting, constantly pivoting. And I think that's what 2020 has been all about. Oh, totally, man. And it's great It's great to have you on here because I can't wait to ask you some property stuff. But with what you just said there, I own a, biz, a tree surgery firm. Um, and I can really relate to what you just said. Keeping it lean and keeping it on point, systemized. This year is just kind of refining every single company out there. And it's either got rid of the ones that were only just hanging on or made the ones that were already there just a bit more lean so yeah. that they're ready to go. And, and it's really pushed people to do that, hasn't it? Yeah, we were spending half a million pounds a month on our on, on expenses, overheads and, overheads and direct costs. We've, we've, yeah. we've reduced that now to £200,000. So, you know, crazy, crazy. But, but, that, but 2020 has forced us to do that. And I'm, yeah. glad, that it, I'm glad that it's happened. Because when you get so, to later... Yeah, so to a problem that you've made into something that's saving you money, right? Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah, total sense, bud. Um, so your first book was Buy Low, Rent High. Um, and can you explain kind of why you did that as your first book to people? Why that yeah. one was so important? Yeah, well, that was actually my second book, actually. It was my first book about... Oh, was it? Yeah, it was my first book about property, though. So it was my first book that kind of people really knew about. Um, sure. And, and, and the reason I wrote Buy Low, Rent High was because I was getting so many investors that were coming to me from London and expensive areas that were saying, I need to buy close to home. I, want, I, need, to, I need the property to be half an hour from me. And I was like saying, hey, hey, folks, there's no correlation between rent and house prices. If you've got a house yeah. that's worth 100 grand and the rent's 800 quid, by doubling the value of the house, by finding a house that's 200 grand, doesn't mean that the rent will be double. So what you need to do is you need to find areas where you can buy low but you can rent high because ultimately it's all about cash on cash return. So the whole book is about how to find properties cheap, how to get areas that are cheap, how to systemize the business. And my little poem says, buy low, rent high with a property manager nearby. Pretty much sums up everything I know about property investment in that little book. So I wrote that, I read about 2016, 2017, and um, you know, it sold tens of thousands of copies, mostly in the UK, but all across the world. And I think that was really the first um, thing that kind of put me on the map as not just a successful property investor, but also an educator. Sure. So that that sounds like such a simple yet such an effective strategy. Yeah. Just literally 
getting a good product at the right price in the right area and being a bit more open than just staying in your local area. Which And that's a weird thing which conflicts with so many property coaches out there is they say, stay in the area you know, stay in your local area, otherwise you're going to lose money. So your approach is essentially totally different to that. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Why, 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 people say, you have to buy close to home because if there's a problem, then you're there to step in. I'm saying, yeah. well, what, what that, what that's, what's going to happen is, let me tell you something, there will be a problem. And when there's a problem, you'll step in. And that's not a business. That's not passive income. That's not financial freedom. It's called a rope around your neck. I've got 100 houses. No, you haven't. You've got 100 headaches. So if you're going to systemize this, you may as well do it in an area which commercially makes sense, not just because it's close to where you live. It doesn't make any sense. It's financially retarded. Yeah, and, that, and that's just thinking on a total logical sense as opposed to emotional, right? You're yeah, just property, purely thinking about the figures. In property, because you're buying houses... We've been programmed our whole lives. Buying a home is a really big decision. It's a really big... Well, it is if you're going to be living there for sure because it's going to affect your life. But if you're buying it as a straight cash-on-cash investment, don't mix it. Mixing formulas and feelings doesn't work. You need to invest with your formulas, not with your feelings. And when emotions are high, intelligence is low, and you'll make bad investment decisions, and then you'll wonder why you didn't make money in property. Yeah, no, that, that makes absolutely total sense. So how, how old were you, were you when you started then, Samuel? I bought my first house 17 years old. 17? Yeah. Blimey. Well, my next question is, if you could speak to your 18-year-old self now and um, kind of give them some advice, what, what would that be? And you started at 17, so it's kind of relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, really, really true. Um, I think I would say, I think I would, well, for a start, I would say, hey, you're going to be really successful. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know you're going to make millions of pounds because yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, t- I'm 29 right now. I've made many millions of pounds. So for me to look back and like, oh, I wish I'd done this different. I wish I'd done that different. I don't wish I'd done things different. I'm quite happy with how things went out. So if I think if I was talking to my 17-year-old self, um, you know, I, I, I would probably just say, pay zero attention to anyone unless they're winning. And I think, right. you know, I had so many people saying to me in the early days, be careful, be careful, be careful. And then as soon as I start getting some success, then it's, well, we'll see what happens. It's like, what? <laughs> Are you even for me or what? And then you start, and then you start really winning. And then it's like, you know, well, you know, m- money, uh, money isn't everything, you know? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you become a multimillionaire and they go, you've changed. You've changed. Like, yeah, I have. Thank you. I'm so glad you changed. You know, and I'm, I'm good with that. It's all good. <laughs> I, went so much pain. I went through so much pain, you know, with my church and with, with some of my friends. And I, I wanted to get their approval. I wanted them to like me. I wanted, and I think, you know, I've just learned now that actually it doesn't matter. You know, it really, really doesn't matter. Because if you know what you're doing is, is right and good and your business is helping people, you know, you cannot worry about old friends, get around good people and only take advice from people that are actually winning. So what I mean by that is it's crazy how we take advice from people just because we like them or we grow up with them. And actually, they don't know anything about the subject. I used to ask, I used to ask my school friends, well, I'm thinking of buying this property. What do you think? What am I asking them for? They're at university. Art. They're yeah. studying art. I'm studying, <laughs> I'm studying finance. They're telling yeah. me, why are you spending money going on these courses? They're studying art at university, spending £9,000 a semester. Four years later, I'm financially free. They're a very artistic McDonald's worker. Yeah, it's, no, it, ma- it makes total sense, man. And with, with that kind of train of thought, that momentum moving forward, it must be so hard to maintain the consistent 
growth and what what kind of resources have you found along the way that have helped you stay consistent i think it's about environment environment is stronger than willpower and if you're trying to it's the same with anything with fitness or you know if you're trying to build up willpower to go to the gym you're gonna you're gonna do it for two weeks and then you're gonna stop going Whereas yeah. if your environment, if the people that you wake up with in your family, in your home, like I have a full-time personal trainer. He comes around my house every day, knocks the door. I can't escape from him. He's just there. Yeah. He's full, I pay him full-time. He's very, very smart. He's very good at what he does. And I think getting people around you who are positive, who are champions, who are upbeat, who are winners, um, that, that, that deal with the same problems that you deal with as a business person, then when you might be feeling a bit low, you need to pick me up, you've got people around you that will do that. Whereas when you're trying to when you're trying to carry everybody else all the time, you know, I think being, being, being around the right people and having a good environment, if you put five crabs in a bucket, they'll never get out because they'll keep putting each other down. And in business, you need to be around people that are giving you a leg up all the time, not trying to pull you down. That's so important. Uh, and and you kind of just said it about your yeah, like every environment then. You talked about your home with your PT, but then also with work. And it does relate. You know, it's just setting that environment at home and at work, and then it kind of self-motivates you, and you're just on a spiral up, upward, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I to- totally relate to that. So something I heard in one of your videos, Samuel, was talking about ROI to do with you wouldn't invest in a project if it wasn't above 20%. I, you, you might have changed since then. Yeah, that's generally, that's generally but, yeah. Yeah. So my question really that a lot I know because I'm starting to get into property nowhere near where you are, but I'm starting to kind of get a feel to it. Yeah. And a lot of people say to me as well, what what was you know, what's more important, getting a good cash flow in property now or investing in something that has more potential in the future? Yeah. And do you just totally ignore that and say, look, blah, ROI, simple, or how how what are your thoughts on that really? Yeah. So Capital appreciation is great, but it doesn't pay the bills. Right. People will use capital appreciation as an excuse as to why they're buying a property that they like, but it's not actually a smart investment. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So what I mean by that is they'll buy a property, nice property, they like it. Oh, maybe my son could live there one day, right? It's a terrible investment. But what they'll yeah. do is they'll 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 use their logic to back up their emotional decision by saying, however, there's a train station being built over here. There's some regenerate. That's happening everywhere. (laughs) They'll they'll talk themselves into it by potential capital appreciation. Nah, get out of here. People say capital appreciation is great in London, but not so good up north. But then the returns are better up north, but not so good in London. I don't really buy that. I don't buy. I don't listen. I've studied. I've studied the patterns, and over the years, I've been in property twelve years. But I, but you can go back and you can look over the last hundreds and hundreds of years, and yeah. you know everywhere follows London. And London's. I'm not saying London's a terrible area, but people people just make irrational decisions and try and back up their decisions, which are emotional decisions with logic. And you can't predict the future. You cannot say this is going to be a good area for capital appreciation. We don't know that. The only thing we know is what the return on investment is going to be. So that that just comes back to what you were saying earlier about just focusing on buying low, ROI at a certain percent, and just getting a good return, right? Yeah, and, and there are things you can do. You know, you can see you can spot trends. So generally speaking, what properties do is they go up and then they go down and they go up and then they go down. So if there's been a massive up for the last five, 10 years, everyone's all excited. Oh my gosh, 
gosh, have you seen what's happening here? I'm not excited. I'm excited about the area that's just had a big down because I know it's going to bounce up. What people do is because yeah. they're financially illiterate is they, they, they jump on the trend once it's too late. And then they go, oh, well, look, over the last 10 years, this has happened. And then they buy and then prices go down and then they get freaked out and then they sell and then they lose money and then they wonder why they failed. It's because, it's because they're jumping on the bandwagon. They're getting excited over what the taxi drivers are saying. So here's, some, here's something else that conflicts with that that I'm, I'm interested in yep. is that let's take a HMO market in a student area, for instance. Ignore to do with the crisis of what's going on. Let's say there's a great, there's a great rental income, but then they're building loads of student blocks. Yep. So there's going to be less of a demand for the houses that have a good return on investment. So what would you say to that, which kind of conflicts with what you were just saying? I'm just interested. Yeah, no, sure. So what, you're saying that they're about to build a load of student blocks in an area, so you're thinking that could affect the rents because there's more, there's more properties in the area. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying there could be less of a demand, for instance, just as yeah. an example, on, yeah. the, on the house because there's so much. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've not in my... Of course, you want to look at the area, right? And you want to look at what's going on and what the development plans are and stuff like that. When I started investing, I started investing in the Midlands. I'm, I grew up in Warsaw. And okay. they were all talking about how this side of town, we're going to do this, we're going to put this, and all that. It still never happened. It's 12 years yeah. later. You know, they said, we're going to build this big student block, we're going to build a... But they didn't. In fact, they ended up regenerating another part of Warsaw altogether, which has become the new... So, you, you, I don't... Again, you, you kind of have to just look at what's now. And even if they do bring in... Like, my, my strategy, a big part of my strategy is HMOs. Sure. So I'm buying houses, renting them out room by room. I'm finding areas, and HMOs will be a thing of the past soon because they're bringing in Article 4 into lots of different areas, which will, which will scupper it. Where I live, pretty much 80% of the areas that are worth having HMOs are already Article 4. Right. All round. Article 4 comes in, what happens is you can't buy a house and turn it into a HMO anymore, rent, the, rent it out room by room, but all yeah. pre-existing HMOs have rights, right? So what I'm doing is I just look for areas where, because they have to, by law, the councils have to give 12 months notice before they bring in Article 4. They have to give 12 months notice. So I'm just finding, I'm just finding non-Article 4 areas that are about to become Article 4 areas, buying a property there, turning it into HMO, then Article 4 comes in, then now it's like limited edition. Now the rents go up, the property goes up. So I think you've got to be strategic and you've got to take control and you've got to force the value of the property up rather than worrying about what the economy is going to do in an area. We create our own economies. And in the same way, we create the, uh, the own economy of our own houses. It's like, look, this house is going to do this, and I'm going to force it to do this. Sorry, rather yeah. than relying on, oh, what's going to happen? No, this, this isn't a journey. When someone comes to me and says, I'm just, I'm just starting my property journey, I'll say, well, you're going to fail. What do you mean I'm going to fail? It's not a journey, it's a process. you just got to learn and study the process. You know, this doesn't happen to you. You don't just go, let's see what happens. Let's see if the house goes up. You've got to learn the process, study the process and force it to happen. Yeah, it, it, it sounds from what you're saying, like you're, you're just taking control and you're not allowing surrounding opinions, decisions, influence the way in which that you've gone or you will go, which is obviously something that is going to make, make the difference for you. So two, two things then, to do with that, Samuel. What, one, is, I'm really interested, how... It, it, how you structure your portfolio and, and moving forward, but also what are your long-term go goals? Because someone that's already at your age, that's got that amount of, you know, the, the 
portfolio that you have, Castle, like what gets you up and thinks, right, this is where I'm going, this is where I want to end up, or does that not even come into it? Yeah, no, it does. Uh, I think so for me right now, I pay myself a salary every month. So re- re- regardless of how well my business is going, I mean, you know, we, we, we made half a million pound over the last six weeks in, in property. You know, I don't, I don't personally see that money. I don't personally, it doesn't, if we have a good month, a bad month, it doesn't affect me on a personal day to day. I live in a nice house. I've got nice cars, I take holidays. I don't pay myself a crazy salary. I pay myself a decent salary. I live my life. Um, yeah. so, so for me, it's more about the excitement of winning the game, the enjoyment, the legacy, leaving the legacy for the kids, um, yeah. inspiring people, showing people what can happen, what, what, can, what can be possible. All my people that went to my school, the people from Warsaw, working class from the estates that I lived in, showing them actually you don't need to get be an A-star student to have a win in life and have a successful career. You really don't need to do yeah. that. Um, so I think for me, it's more about my mission rather than about the money. And don't get me wrong, the money's good, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect me on a day-to-day basis. And in fact, if it did, if it was all about the money, I've known a lot of people that have hit their financial goals and they've actually ended up being depressed because they've realized that money doesn't buy happiness. But when you yeah. have a bigger purpose beyond the money, for me, that's, what, that, that's really what keeps you going and that's what keeps me going. Sure. So, that, so you touched on that, um, just to finish this off, Samuel, to do with you, know, you mentoring other people and, and you know, that's, that's a big part of your life and that motivates you and that's part of your end goal. Yeah. So that that's great. I mean, how do you structure that just for people you know, out there that may want to get in touch with you? So I have a membership site where we, we, I offer training, mentoring, guidance. It's 95 pounds a month. And I, my students end up becoming mentors. I've got people on there that are you know, making hundreds of thousands of pounds in property. Now they want to give back. And, 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 and as part of that, it's almost like a platform where people, anytime they get stuck with property, they need help, they need guidance. They jump on a phone, one-on-one phone call, get support from myself, my team. And um, £95 a month, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. We don't make a lot of profit off it. We put it back into the business. But it's, again, it's about legacy. So yeah. you know, we do have training programs. I do speak, I train, I coach people. I do a lot of YouTube videos. Um, and, and that business, and sometimes, you know, people, the, the, the skeptics will say, oh, that's really where he makes his money. And it's just, it's just fr- frankly, not true. I didn't, for the first four years of running training, of running a training company, I lost money year after year after year. I kept losing money um, right. because I was paying for venues and this and that. And people just haven't got the money to pay for training or they don't prioritize it. They think, oh, paying to go to university, you get a certificate. But Samuel doesn't give me the certificate, so I won't pay the money. That's how people think which I think is crazy, but, you know, um, for me, it's mission. Every single week, I have someone on my YouTube channel who's become financially free as a result of the training, and they share their story every single week. Um, I've been doing that now for uh, (laughs) over 100 weeks, about 110 weeks now, every single week, with that queue of people lined up for the coming weeks and months to do that. And for me, that just brings me a real sense of purpose and significance. And every time when I was starting out in business, I'd, I'd, I'd find someone successful, and I'd sit with them and I'd ask them questions about where do you find deals and how do you stack a deal? They'd always hold their cards close to their chest. Sure. And that's always bad. When I become successful, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to teach everybody. I'm going to share freely. And that's what I do. And it does come with, you know, a responsibility because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching people how, how to do what I did. And, you know, we don't just train people on the financial side, but also on the mindset side as well. Um, but it's also comes with great satisfaction. <clears throat> no, that... 
That that's so good. And the thing is, it, it's clear, it's genuine with you, and and with giving that to students and preaching about something that you've already done and that you are currently doing. Um, that makes such a difference to so many people that are out there that are trying to teach something that they haven't. So, um, without a doubt, that's that's really interesting, Samuel. Thanks, brother. So, um, yeah, and before you go, I'm definitely going to ask you a couple of questions. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, thank, thanks for being on the podcast, Samuel. It's been absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, I, you know, if people want to get in touch, please Google, please Google Samuel Leeds, and uh, you'll find all the information about yourself and the training, right? Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate you and, you know, what you're doing is fabulous. So keep up the great work. Cheers, man. Appreciate it.